of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is, a, it is God's gift. Not from works so that anyone can boast. So we're understanding right there from the very beginning that the God's grace, you know, his unmerited favor for us has to be there. Because what we deserve is what? Death. There is nothing that we can do. It says that all of our righteous acts that we can do are like a filthy garment. So there's nothing we can do. It's a gift from him. So the grace of God but is given to us, but also in that is our faith in him. Faith is important. It says there in that scripture, just said it. Um, <clears throat> I have to get my water. When you were reading that, it says, for you are saved by grace through what? So faith is important. Now, what is faith? Faith is a good way to kind of look at it. It's belief in and personal commitment to Jesus Christ. You've got to have those uh, together. You cannot have one or the other. You've got to have them both in together. And Romans speaks of that. And Romans 10, 9 speaks of that. Having that, that connection, that faith that we have. You know, a lot of people will, will don't think of faith as being a very important thing. I, I feel faith is probably one of the uh, most important things of our belief with Christ because faith is like a muscle. That's a good way to look at it. Um, you know, I've used this analogy before. Uh, Samuel, well, any of my boys, uh, when they were younger, had no problem jumping off and for me to catch them off a you know, off the side of a pool or off the thing. But if I had really worked with him, I could have gotten him to jump off the side of a house because they knew I was going to catch him. They had faith in me. The things that I believe now that God's going to provide in our life, my family's life, my life, if I were to have those 20 years ago, I'd think you're crazy. But my faith in Christ has grown so dramatically in understanding what God's provision for me, how much he loves me, and all those has made a difference. So our faith is growing. It's ongoing. But we have to have faith as a part of salvation. So now let's step into the slides things. We have these uh, uh, things that we have. So the first one that we want to look at Salvation involves the, the re reception of the whole man and is offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who by his own blood obtained eternal redemption for the believer. In its bro broadest sense, salvation includes regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. There is no salvation apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. That is the Baptist faith and message definition of salvation. So that's what we as Southern Baptists, it's what we believe, and it's kind of all-encompassing. We're going to take it and kind of break this down a little bit. Because in that, it, it involves, and it, regeneration is one of the first ones that we, if you want to go to the next slide up there, Regeneration or the new birth 
is a work of God's grace whereby believers become a new, crea- uh, new creatures in Christ Jesus. And we can take a look at that. Take, go to John uh, 3 3. John 3 3. And he says there, Jesus is talking, and Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, regenerated, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you're already, Scripture is saying that there. And if you go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's that new creation. Everyone's a new creation. All things become new. new. And it's a really interesting idea if you think about uh, regeneration regeneration for me is literally from the inside out because if you're thinking of regeneration of being regenerated it's got to be from the inside out because if it's from the outside in you're not being regenerated you're being formed into what you want now you can take a a sponge uh, and take a sponge, and you can cram it into, you can have a square sponge, cram it into a heart-shaped uh, a shape, and you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm brain's going, uh, having the shape of a heart, but how long is it going to stay that way? When you release it to its natural state, what is it going to go back to? A square. But if you transform it or you form it originally into the heart shape, it's going to stay that way. We, as we are being regenerated by God's grace on our lives, if we, can, if we take it the idea that that is just, I'm going to change how I act, or I'm going to change certain things, but nothing changes on the inside of us, we are truly not being regenerated we're just changing how we act, and there's not going to be true regeneration of our life. So when somebody comes to Christ, the first thing, because Jesus calls them, as, he, as Pastor was saying this morning, calls them and says, I am calling you, by faith they accept it, then Christ goes in and does the regeneration in their life, which we put up the next one it's a change of heart wrought by the holy spirit through conviction of sin to which the sinner responds in repentance toward god and faith in lord jesus see that change of heart now go to the next one repentance is an important part of salvation i set this aside specifically Re- repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace now go to the next one repentance is a genuine turning from sin toward god faith is the acceptance of jesus christ and commitment to the entire personality to him as lord and savior now this is very important change of heart and mind resulting in a turning from sin to god uh in colossians uh, 3 1 and 2 uh, I found this in one of my our Bible studies that we were having with the men, and it really hit home for this. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And it says there, so if you 
have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, what the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on what is above, not on what is on earth. Now, here's the catcher. That word, set your mind in that, give it the understanding is that you are going to take literally a hold of your mind and set it, conform it, change it, excuse me, change it to a specific state. Before Christ, your state of mind was whatever I want, whatever I need to do, whatever I can, I'm going to follow the, the, whatever my desires are. Salvation, one of the parts of that, of being saved, is when it says there of changing that, would you go back one slide? Repentance is generally turning from God, from sin toward God. We call it re, uh, the U-turn. You know, repent means literally U-turn. It is a U-turn, but it's also setting our minds on what God has for us. It's changing your mind thoughts, changing what you do, changing literally, changing everything about you to follow Christ. What I am finding in what I do in, in a chaplaincy is what most people want to repent about is getting caught. I, you know, talking to some of the people that I talk to, you know, situations that they're in, that, man, I... I I, I need to repent of it. I need, but what they're truly saying is, I am sorry I got caught messing with drugs and it messed up my life and I got in trouble with the law, but I don't want to change. I re- want to repent for hanging out with a married person and got caught but I really don't want to change my life, so I'm just going to go find me another person and hang out with them. They don't, and this is some of these are Christian people. They haven't had a change of their mind of what they want to do. There's a difference, and we've got to understand that we're talking about salvation. Repentance, it is a mind change at a part of that. But as we keep going in this and what we're wanting to look at, the next part of that, and this is what I find uh, fascinating, the next screen is justification. Is God's gracious and full acquittal from principles of his righteousness of all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. The next one. Justification brings the believer into a relationship of peace and favor with God. Another way to look at that is really interesting. We are all guilty. Did we agree with that? Okay, as sinners, we are all guilty. Anybody here not guilty? Okay, I just want to make that established. Okay, so in reality, we, where we are in our lives, deserve condemnation, correct? The opposite of condemnation is justification. Now, there's a weak way of saying it just as if I never sinned, which I don't agree with anymore. In that, it is far deeper than that. 
when God says we are justified, God's declaration of a believer as righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Think of that. The blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross for us, when God looks at our lives, when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me directly on. He looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ, what Christ did on the cross. And he looks at me that way. He tells me that I am justified in his sight. Uh, Romans 3. Wrong direction. Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. But now, apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed attested by the law and the prophets that is god's righteousness through faith in jesus christ to all who believe since there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus how powerful that statement is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God showed his righteousness through the sacrifice of Christ. In fact, if you want to go just a back uh, forward just a little bit more uh, in four, or Romans uh, 4 verse 5. But to the one who does not work and believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. God loves us. God justifies the ungodly. We are the ones are made right in him. We can't do it. There is nothing we can do to do of our justification. But then there's another step. Sanctification. It is the experience beginning regeneration by which the believer is set apart to God's purposes and is enabled to progress toward moral and spiritual maturity through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. Well, that's interesting. The position and process of holiness by which a believer is set apart by and for God. Sanctification, all of this is, is very interesting, but sanctification is not done when we accept Christ. There is a part of it. I have been sanctified. That is my position in God. I have been set apart. When you are sanctified, the word sanctification means you are set apart. You are holy. The scripture says we are a holy, a holy priesthood, a royal nation. He's talking about Israel, but he's also talking about us. Each one of you is set aside for and by God. So you have been sanctified. Okay? You have that right now going on. But there's also, you will be sanctified. And you ongoing sanctified. I am being sanctified. That is, in the process of holiness of God. Remember it says there, uh, the, to progress towards moral and spiritual maturity. Think of it this way, the, the cross, the, the crucible. When do you know that silver is pure? Anybody know, anybody done work with silver? 
They put it in the fire, but how do you know when silver is pure? When you can see your face in it. When you can see your face in it. So think of that about your life with Christ. If you're, you know, when you re- are reflecting Jesus Christ in your life, that means your purity. The impurities are being drawn off of you. By the way, when do you get the maddest? And where are you usually? Home? Car? Family? Brothers? Why do we... Why does that happen? That's because we're a sinner. But also because we are... Weak in the flesh, they know our weak spots. They know, I mean, but think about that a minute. Think about that a minute. My wife and I have been married uh, coming up on almost 30 years. And we were talking with friends last night around the table about how you would think after 30 years that we had had it kind of worked out. No, no. We are still learning things. In fact, we're you know in the midst of working on things ourselves in our relationships. And uh, I have to uh, confess, I know exactly what button to push and get her irritated. Why do I do that? Here's the point. We are progressively always needing to mature. If you think or you feel that when you came to Christ or when somebody comes to Christ that you're talking to them, that, hey, I'm saved, now I can go do what I want, basically all you've got is fire insurance. And I'm a little leery on whether you got that. Because it says in Scripture we are to be mature, we are to grow. In fact, if you look down uh, there uh, in Hebrews 5, uh, 12 and 17, Hebrews 5, 12 through 17. It says there, <clears throat> I'll start in 11. And what a great deal to have about the, to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose sense has been trained to distinguish between good and evil. We, Scripture says, and God expects us to mature in Christ once we become a part of the family. Okay? And here's an interesting little tidbit that really hit me. Once you've been sitting in here or the preacher's been preaching to you, you've been in a Bible study, you've been in your uh, Sunday school class, and you have been taught something out of here, and then you walk away and it's Scripture's talking to you, and you walk away and you lay it down and you come before God and God says to you, how come you didn't change you cannot use 
Well, I didn't know that. By the way, anybody messed with the IRS lately? If you don't know the law of the IRS and you're called into an audit and you say, I didn't know that, what's their response? Tough luck, pay up. Why do we expect it to be different when, we talk to, when we're talking about God? You are held accountable. The people we minister to are held accountable for what they are taught. They cannot stand before God and say, I did not know that. It's something tough, but we need to be mature. We all need to be. I love that statement, and it's kind of hard. <clears throat> Many of us, and from the Bible Fellowship ministry which is what i'm responsible for the adults there are some teachers that need to be teaching that are sitting in our bible fellowship classes you they have the gift to do it for some reason they're afraid to or something's going on we have them in here we have some great teachers there's some of them and they're in here tonight great teachers i appreciate you teaching the the Everybody does. You are so good at it. I am so glad that you're working in training up. We're training people up. Thank you for doing that because that's by Scripture what we're supposed to be doing. And I appreciate you doing that. Last but not least of this that we have is glorification. You can go to the next slide there. Glorification is the culmination of salvation and is the final blessed and abiding state of the redeemed. This is what most of us look forward to. The ones before this means there's work for us to do. We've got, we're the sanctifications, you know, we're not, we've got to be doing it. We're doing the justification. We're doing all that's involved with being what happens here on earth. But what's nice is when we're all done here, we get the glorification. Now think about that. The perfection of God's image and character in the believer when we enter God's presence. That's the ultimate part of that. So when you are taking time, and one reason that we're doing this and thinking about this, what we're getting ready to go into, when you're talking to people, you don't have to go into this long scheme like what we just talked about, but you need to understand what's all involved in salvation when you are talking to people about salvation. Not that you have to be a great orator, but you've got to understand what we've just talked about. It's all a part of God's plan. So, the idea and the question it comes back to is, so what? So why do we have this? Why are we talking about uh, uh, regeneration? Why are we talking about uh, repentance, justification, sanctification, glorification, all that goes on with that that we believe and we feel is an important part of it? So what? Well, let me ask you this question, and this kind of takes off of what we were just talking about, about where we're going with our uh, uh, number one. Who's your number one? If someone asks you how to be saved or what that means, what would you say? Do you know what to say about that? Now, next Sunday night, we're going to go into a long uh, have that time frame where we're going to be having uh, Mr. Green in here. He's going to be talking about it. 
but before now and then, what I want you to be thinking about it. We want you to be processing. What are some things that you say? What is salvation? Very simple. Let me ask you this question. Think back. I don't know how old you were. Some of you may be an older, some may be younger. Think back to what was going on in your life before Christ came into your life. Some of you have probably tried to forget a lot of it. Okay? Especially if you're a teenager or in your 20s or after. What was going on? Now think about in that same idea, what was the catalyst that brought the knowledge of Jesus Christ to you? Who was it? May have been BBS. May have been a revival. May have been a friend or, or somebody, you know, a loved one or something that shared that with you. How did that make a difference? So what, what, what happened? What was it like accepting Christ for that very first time? How did it feel? How did it make you feel? You know, the understanding that your sins have been wiped away and what Christ did on the cross was so important. Take all that thought pattern into that. And then how would you share that? Now, how has your life been since that time frame? For a lot of you, if you've been saved for a long time, it's not been any bed of roses, right? By the way, if you're laying on a bed of roses, what are you laying on? Thorns. There's been some tough things along the way. But what's the difference? And when I think in my life, uh, I talk with uh, uh, individuals. I can think of when I, after I got saved, I really understood salvation, really understood walking with Christ. That's been about 30, about 30 years. Okay? A little over 30 years. The first 25 years when I thought I really understood it all and I was pursuing what the world's pleasures were and what I thought was going to be important, by the world's standards, I was doing pretty darn good. But I was miserable. I looked good, but I was miserable. In the last 30, 35 years, it's been tough. You know, there's been bad decisions. There's been health issues. There's been uh, financial issues. There's been all kinds of things, being accused of things in the church. Well, well, you just name it. But I am far more happier being, meaning joy in Christ through that than I ever was in the 20 years, when I, uh, 25 years before it's been harder the last 35 years. I'm far happier because my goal, my sanctification, and my growing in Christ is more based on Him than the world's standards. The world, I had a pastor friend that really hit me. I'd go up to him. He, we were in a big church in uh, Oklahoma City at the time. And I went up to him one time and said, Hey, how's the world treating you? Because that was my standard, How you know, how to say things. He goes, the world's treating me lousy. God's treating me great. Never forgot it. In fact, it changed how I looked at things. Because the world does treat you lousy. God always treats you good. And if we understand those things and we talk about our sanctification, all those things that we're, we're doing, going through this theology that we're doing on Sunday nights, 
understanding that makes a whole lot of difference. That's why when you know somebody comes up to you and goes, "How?" You know, I was thinking of a, a friend of mine. His uh, give you the scenario. First of December, his son, fourteen-year-old son, was fine. By Christmas week of Christmas, he was in Cincinnati. No, he was in Columbus. Uh, basically, with heart failure. That fast. First of the year, he had a heart transplant. Age fourteen. How his son and he looked at things because uh, the dad was saved, the son got saved the night before his transplant. Um, but how they look at things, the people would come and go, how do you deal with that? They were able to share because my faith is in Christ, not in this world. Even if I don't live very long or this doesn't work, my faith is in Christ. How we look at that is totally different. So all this goes together. So hopefully as you go, and we especially next week when we have the special time together for uh, uh, next Sunday night, be thinking about those things. If you haven't, be thinking about that because I promise you it's going to come up in being able to share those type of things. What is salvation? It is not just a little thing, which is what we often do. There's more into it of what God does for us and through us we're done a little bit early but i promise not to bore you the next 10 minutes so let's pray father thank you i praise you for what you've done you're this the whole concept of salvation is just amazing what you by faith our the grace you gave us is just right there in itself is just phenomenal but you are the one who regenerates us by sanctifying us, by justifying us. All those things that you do, you give us the glorification at the end when we're in the presence of you. There is nothing that we do except for draw closer to you and be like that deer that just pants for that water or that pants for that salvation that comes from you. Lord, help us as we go not only this week, but throughout this month and the rest of the year, pursuing those who do not know you and who are lost. Help us to have that desire, that drive to look and to be open and to listen for little things that they say to use to share the gospel. Oh, there's many times we miss it every day. I do it myself. Help us to be willing, ready to listen. We pray it in the name of Jesus who gives us everything. Amen.